0: Welcome to FRT, episode 112. I'm Dennis Frenzy of the IIF, based in Washington, DC. We're very lucky to be joined from Singapore today by Chester Chua, Head of Government Affairs and Public Policy at Google Cloud. Chester will be sharing key findings from two studies commissioned by Google on regulation and adoption of cloud technology in the financial services industry. He brings a rich and varied background to our discussion here today having worked both in the public and private sector, was stopped at the World Bank, Ministry of Finance in Singapore, Temasek, and Marina Bay Sands before landing at his current position. Chester, it's great to have you here. Thanks very much for joining us and welcome to FRT. Hey
1: Dennis, thanks so much for inviting me to do this podcast. It's a real privilege to be here with you today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Great. So as most of our listeners know, cloud technology is becoming increasingly important for financial institutions and other companies around the world. It's vital to supporting new business models and to unlocking the full potential of the digital economy. In fact, in our joint work with Deloitte on digital transformation, we often refer to cloud as a foundational technology that empowers other emerging technologies to reach their full potential. Therefore, it's perhaps unsurprising that the global cloud computing market is expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 16% over the next five years. Given the technology's expanding importance, we're delighted to hear from Google Cloud, one of the world's leading cloud service providers, about recent trends and developments, specifically in the financial services industry. So as I briefly touched upon earlier, Google commissioned two cloud studies this year both came up with some interesting findings that we will turn to in just a moment. But before we do, Chester, would you mind sharing just a little background about the two studies and how they came to be?
1: Yeah, sure. So Google recently commissioned these two studies. The first is on the regulation of cloud technology in financial services, and the second is on the adoption of cloud technology in financial services industry. So these two studies complement each other because they provide slightly different perspectives. The first is an independent assessment of regulations by Uh, an industry association called the ACCA, the Asia Cloud Computing Association. And the second study is a survey of financial institutions' um, perceptions of cloud adoption in financial services. So this was commissioned by us and conducted by the Harris Poll. So we decided to commission these two studies because firstly, we have been noticing an increasing divergence in cloud regulatory frameworks in the financial services industry across Asia Pacific. So the ACCA report, which is the first report What it does is that it reviews cloud regulations in 11 Asia-Pacific markets. It then assesses these regulations against 10 global best practices, and then it scores and ranks each of the markets. So it's a desktop review of cloud regulations in financial services in Asia-Pacific. Then the second study, which is the Harris Poll survey, it offers a complementary perspective because it's a survey of over 1,300 IT executives in financial institutions across 10 markets half of which are in Asia-Pacific, uh, which are Australia, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Japan, and Singapore. And what it does is that it examines the state of cloud adoption and the challenges faced by financial institutions from the perspectives of the financial institutions themselves.
0: Great. Thanks, Jesser. That gives us a great foundation for the episode and some context to the rest of our discussion here. Now, it probably makes sense to start with the simple question, why cloud? What are the potential benefits that are driving financial institutions to cloud? And what are the potential risks associated with cloud adoption?
1: So Dennis, I'm probably not the right person to be asking this question because I'm clearly biased as a cloud service provider. So I'm, I, I'm probably going to play up the benefits and, and play down the risks. But maybe let me share with you some of the benefits that I, I think are commonly cited. The first is cloud services provide on-demand access to its user organizations. So what a lot of businesses can do is that they can deploy IT resources and services rapidly, and they can scale these services elastically as well, according to their business needs. And some, of, some people call this cloud bursting, where you have peak demand for IT services and resources, and the public cloud can help to accommodate that. Uh, and then another key characteristic is about shared IT services. So public cloud pulls a demand from across different user organizations and then use, provides these shared IT services and resources. So as a result of, these, of this poked demand, it can achieve high utilization of its IT services and resources much more than individual enterprises can. And also, user organizations can tap on the cloud service provider's expertise in security, sustainability, and a whole range of other expertise. Right? And then another key benefit is that uh, user organizations can have access to the cloud service provider's global network of data centers. So all the major cloud service providers have data centers all across the world. And what this does is that it can help to reduce latency by transferring data very quickly. And then it can also strengthen operational resilience because there is um, data redundancy and also for disaster recovery. And lastly, it can also help to improve uh, regulatory compliance because there could be data localization requirements in some markets. And the next benefit that's commonly cited is cost savings due to economies of scale. And the way that cloud services can provide this is they offer a pay-as-you-go service. So user organizations only have to pay for the services that they actually consume. And the last benefit is that user organizations can tap on the cloud service provider's best-of-breed technologies. Today, most of the cutting-edge technologies are cloud-based. This includes AI and machine learning, data analytics, right? So financial institutions no longer have to develop applications from scratch. They can make use of third-party, off-the-shelf applications that are on the cloud, or they can make use of tools that are available on the cloud to build those applications themselves. So those are the benefits. Then the question is, what are some of the risks associated with um, cloud services? So the first is about accountability. So the public cloud is essentially a form of outsourcing of services. So you have financial institutions that are adopting the cloud need to ask themselves, who is accountable for what? And here, the widely accepted framework is called the Shared Responsibility Framework, where there is a clear matrix that determines what the cloud service provider is responsible for and what the user organization is responsible for. And this leads to the second risk, which is about security. So in the IIF report that was published recently, there was a survey that was done among regulators to ask, what are the key risks that are associated with cloud adoption? And security came out as one of the key concerns that regulators have. Now, it is a myth that the public cloud is less secure than on-premise IT infrastructure. Now, we have seen an increase in cyber attacks in recent years, and many people think that this is due to the adoption of cloud technology. But the most common source of cyber incidents and data breaches is actually insider negligence. So this is where the shared responsibility framework comes in again, because we have to differentiate between what is security off the cloud versus security in the cloud. Now, the cloud service provider is responsible for security of the cloud because it provides the cloud infrastructure, whereas the customer or the user organization is responsible for security in the cloud because it involves the the data of the user organization, which the cloud service provider does not own. Now, this is analogous to you renting an apartment from a building owner or landlord, and the landlord is responsible for the structural integrity of of the building, but the home contents in your apartment have to be taken care of by you, the tenant. Now, if your TV is down or your pet goldfish is sick, the landlord cannot be responsible for that because the landlord does not own your TV or your pet goldfish. Right? Now, this may sound facetious, but I think this is, a, this is a key differentiation that people need to be aware of before they migrate to the cloud. What exactly does this shared responsibility framework entail? And the last risk I will talk about, which was also highlighted by the IIF report, was, is about vendor lock-in and concentration risk. Um, And this is, again, a key concern among regulators across the world, especially in Asia-Pacific.
0: Absolutely. This is actually quite similar to what we found in our various studies, namely that while there are certainly risks to adoption, the risk of not adopting cloud long-term are greater than the risk posed by the technology. Yes, adoption risks need to be understood and mitigated, but the transformational benefits of shifting from a closed, archaic IT system to cloud have become essential. So it certainly seems like the benefits outweigh the risks. So why haven't all firms migrated fully to the cloud yet? What are the main obstacles facing financial institutions when it comes to cloud adoption?
1: Well, many of us who are listening to this podcast, even including myself, we're most probably policy wongs and geeks, right? So I would love to say that regulations form the biggest obstacle to cloud adoption uh, among financial institutions. And that's something I hear very often. But the study that we conducted actually suggests something more nuanced. And these obstacles differ significantly across countries. Regulations certainly form a key obstacle, but we need to be very clear what exactly about regulations create these obstacles to cloud adoption. Is it about regulatory uncertainty? Perhaps the regulations are not clear. Or is it that the regulations explicitly prohibit or discourage the the adoption of cloud technology among financial institutions? Or could it be that the the enforcement of these regulations may not be favorable for cloud adoption, right? So the IIF report that was published recently also looked at this question and it looked at whether regulators in Asia Pacific require notification or approval prior to the migration of workloads to the cloud. And, it, and a report found that only 14% of regulators strictly require approval. But in some countries, according to the ACCA report that we commissioned, it found that even though the regulations in certain countries may say that it requires only notification, But in practice, what we see is that the regulator may require to be consulted by the financial institutions before any workloads can be migrated to the cloud. And if you think about it, that is is effectively a de facto approval, right? So this is a a key concern that many financial institutions have um, when it comes to regulations, but another concern is the challenges that financial institutions face with migration from legacy IT infrastructure to the public cloud. The third concern that many financial institutions have when they want to adopt cloud technology is vendor lock-in. Now, many financial institutions are concerned that once they move to the public cloud, they will be locked into a single vendor, and that will have many implications, whether is it commercial uh, implications or security vulnerabilities. Yet, the study that we did by Harris Pohl found that financial institutions are not actively adopting a multi-cloud strategy. In fact, of the various Deployment models of cloud technology, multi-cloud was the least commonly adopted deployment model.
0: I'm happy you mentioned regulation here, as it's something I definitely want to explore with some of the time we have remaining. So while preparing for this interview, I came across some rather surprising findings. I learned that despite Singapore having the most cloud-friendly regulatory environment, it had the lowest proportion of financial firms relying primarily on the public cloud among the regions surveyed. Indonesia, meanwhile, had the opposite story. Despite the country having the least cloud-friendly regulatory environment, it had the highest proportion of financial institutions relying primarily on the public cloud. Chester, did you have any thoughts that would help explain this surprising finding?
1: Dennis, you're absolutely right. When I first saw this finding, I thought there might have been something wrong with our data, but we looked at it very closely and we found some really interesting insights. So first, we asked financial institutions in our survey why they were not moving to the cloud. Now, almost half of the financial institutions in Singapore were not moving to the cloud because they cited dependency on their legacy IT infrastructure. Now, this was consistent with what we were hearing from our customers um, on the ground. So our hypothesis was that before the cloud era, financial institutions in countries like Singapore and Australia, they were so advanced in their IT infrastructure and expertise, that they had accumulated significant legacy IT infrastructure over time. Now, that advantage that they had in the past then became a liability in the future of the cloud era. Right? So, because it was very difficult to get these financial institutions to move out of their own data centers uh, because they had some costs in these data centers. Now, on the other hand, financial institutions in countries like Indonesia, they might not have been that advanced previously before uh, the cloud era. But today, That disadvantage that they had in the past has allowed them to leapfrog an entire generation of IT infrastructure by moving to the public cloud directly. That is a fascinating insight that we have found from this study because very often we hear, as I said earlier, regulations being a key obstacle to cloud adoption. But what we see here is that in a country like Singapore, where the regulations are very cloud friendly, the key obstacle to adopting cloud technology actually lies in the financial institutions themselves because of their legacy IT infrastructure. Now, another reason that we found that they were holding financial institutions back from adopting public cloud is the cost of moving to and moving out of the cloud. Now, the cost of moving to the cloud is closely related to the dependency on legacy IT infrastructure. Because if you think about it, the more legacy IT infrastructure you have, the more you're unwilling to move because the sunk cost is much greater. Now, some people may then question, well, perhaps... Singapore's legacy IT infrastructure is so advanced that the potential benefits from moving to the cloud are much smaller. Another question that we asked in the Harris Post survey was that, what does your current IT systems allow you to enable innovation? But what we found was that in Singapore, that wasn't happening. Financial institutions in Singapore consistently lacked their neighbors in other countries in the use of data analytics, tech, and artificial intelligence. Now, the gap was especially wide when you compare Singapore to a country like Hong Kong. Yet on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we see Indonesia. And this doesn't mean that countries like Indonesia are in a good shape and they don't need to do anything more than that. Because we, found, we find that there's a window of opportunity for countries like Indonesia to digitally transform themselves. But this window of opportunity is closing fast because other countries are aggressively transforming themselves. Right? Let's cite a few examples. In the Philippines, the central bank the financial regulator is, is amending its regulations to promote cloud adoption. In Thailand, they recently signed an MOU on the digital economy with Singapore. And Malaysia also recently revealed an ambitious digital economy blueprint, which has attracted an investment commitment of three to four billion US dollars from the major cloud service providers. So the longer Indonesia takes to make policy changes to improve its regulatory environment for cloud adoption, the more this advantage they have today will erode. And in this case, it's very clear that the regulator in Indonesia, OJK in this case, has a clear role to play because regulatory uncertainty was cited as a huge obstacle to cloud adoption in Indonesia.
0: That's very interesting and a very comprehensive answer. So thanks for that. Now, if we could stay on the topic of regulation, it's worth emphasizing that the ACCA study found significant disparities in cloud regulation across the APEC region. Chester, would you mind sharing some additional details around those disparities? And within your response, perhaps you could also touch upon how that impacts financial institutions and their customers.
1: Sure. So something that I found very interesting was that the recent report that was published by the IIF found that there was more commonality of approach than divergence across the region around cloud technology, because the regulators in Asia Pacific see cloud technology as a form of outsourcing. Now that is definitely true as a policy, but what we did in the ACCA report was that we looked deeper into the regulations and that was where we found significant divergence across countries within Asia Pacific. Now, before I provide some examples, let me talk about two approaches to cloud regulation, right? The first is what I call a compliance approach and the second is what I call a risk management approach. Now, most regulators are more used to a compliance approach because under a compliance approach, The regulator simply needs to tell the financial institutions what is allowed and what is not allowed. It's a very clear differentiation between what is is right and what is not. But under a risk management approach, the role of the regulator is much more complicated. It has to lay out a risk framework with the factors that financial institutions need to take into consideration before they move to the public cloud. Now, the regulator should not be making decisions on behalf of the financial institutions through overly prescriptive regulations because these regulations could become outdated over time very quickly, especially when technology evolves so rapidly. So the decision, the decision on whether to adopt cloud technology should be left to the financial institutions to make. And if the financial institution decides to move to the cloud, then it should take into consideration of the risks associated with cloud technology and how it should mitigate those risks. So in my opinion, once a regulator adopts a risk management approach, everything else will fall into place. Now, let me give you a few examples of um, different regulators that adopt different approaches, right? In Singapore, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, they do not require any form of approval, consultation, or even notification for the adoption of cloud technology by financial institutions. Instead, the financial institutions should conduct their own due diligence, and all they have to do is to submit an, what they call an outsourcing register annually or upon request by the regulator. Now, this is a clear risk management approach where the regulator does not dictate what is allowed and what is not allowed. It doesn't even require any form of approval or even notification. Now, on the other hand, in Indonesia, the OJK requires prior approval two to three months before any workload can be moved to the public cloud by a financial institution. And even after that has been done, the financial institution needs to report the status of that migration to the financial regulator one month after. Now, so that is what I would consider a compliance approach. Then there are, there are regulators that fall in between, and these are the gray areas. In Hong Kong, for instance, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, HKMA, theoretically, they do not require any prior approval before migration to the cloud, but then it requires the financial institutions to have a discussion with the regulator prior to the adoption of cloud technology, or if there are any changes to its plans. If you think about it, this is effectively an approval process because the HKMA, the regulator here, has the authority to dictate what the financial institution can or cannot do when it comes to cloud adoption.
0: Yes, and this issue around regulatory divergence and fragmentation is a very important topic for our members, especially for those operating in many different jurisdictions. Moving on. Now, I know the two studies cover a lot of ground, so this may be a little tricky. But I'd be very intrigued to hear your views on what you found to be the most interesting or most surprising finding coming out of the two studies.
1: So what I found most interesting and surprising was actually not covered in either of these reports. It was a result that I actually put together myself that was based on the ACCA's assessment, but it was not in the report itself. So if you recall, what I explained in the ACCA report was that they compared the 11 countries against these 10 best practices. So what it essentially did was that it scored each country against these 10 best practices. It then summed up for every country, the score each country received on these 10 best practices, and then it ranked these 10 countries. What I did then was I was interested to find out what are the common policy barriers when it comes to cloud adoption. So what I did was I compared instead the 10 best practices. I summed up the score that all the countries received in each of the ten best practices to find out what are the common policy barriers and where are the gaps. Now, what I found very surprising, at least for me, was that the policy areas with the largest gaps are not those that tend to capture the most attention, that are that we always see in the headline in the news, such as data localization. Right. Instead, the mundane administrative issues, such as requiring regulatory approval before workloads can be moved to the cloud. Are the ones with the biggest gaps. Another one that was very commonly cited was having a differentiated treatment of workloads based on materiality. What this means is that if this is a material workload, perhaps a regulator may require approval, but if it's a non-material workload and a non-sensitive workload, the regulator may not require any kind of approval at all. Now, I found this not just surprising but also very comforting because the silver lining in this finding is that Regulators can take simple, practical, and meaningful steps to improve the regulatory environment and facilitate the financial institution's adoption of cloud. It does not always need to have to tackle the controversial issues such as data localization. The Philippines is a great example. Earlier this year, it issued a set of draft amendments to simplify its approval process to encourage financial institutions to adopt cloud technology. While those amendments have not been passed, it reflects Philippines' Um, good efforts to take intermediate steps towards more cloud-friendly regulatory environment.
0: That's really interesting and definitely some food for thought. Now, unfortunately, we're almost out of time, but before we go, I'd be remiss if I didn't turn to the recommendations that came out of these studies. So what are the recommended actions for regulators, financial institutions, and cloud service providers? What can each of these stakeholders do to help ease or remove barriers to cloud adoption and promote the safe and successful migration to cloud.
1: Well, let me talk about four recommendations and how they apply to regulators and also financial institutions and how cloud service providers can play a role as well. And the four recommendations are about one, changing mindsets, two, fostering collaboration, three, adopting best practices, and four, developing roadmaps. Now, the first, which is most fundamental, is adopting a right mindset. From a regulator's perspective, as I mentioned earlier, I think that it will be ideal if regulators can adopt a risk management approach instead of a compliance approach, as we have seen in the ACCA report. With that mindset, I believe that everything else will fall into place. Now, but on the other hand, financial institutions, they need to adopt a right mindset as well. They should take a forward-looking, long-term perspective and not be burdened by the sunk cost of legacy IT infrastructure. Now the second, fostering collaboration. We think that there needs to be greater collaboration between financial regulators and financial institutions. In some countries, the regulators issue regulations without consulting the industry um, at all. Now, Dennis, as you pointed out, I used to work in Singapore's Ministry of Finance over a decade ago. And I can say this, that no matter how intelligent and diligent regulators may be, they will almost never be able to develop optimal policies on their own. Industry consultation is necessary. Right, and regulators should actively consult the industry, and not just the regulated entities, but the entire ecosystem, which includes cloud service providers. In this case, and on the other hand, the industry, the financial institutions, and cloud service providers should actively come together and propose policy changes to the regulators, even if they are not being asked to. And then the third recommendation is about adopting best practices. In this case, I find that the ACCA report is a great toolkit that financial regulators can use to develop a cloud-friendly regulatory environment. If you are a country that did not do so well in a particular best practice in the ACC report, you can find out what other regulators are doing in other countries and what are these best practices. And you need not go from a score of zero to six right away. You can take intermediate steps like what I mentioned Philippines was doing by looking at what other countries with a score of two and four are doing. And you can map out over time how you can achieve and adapt those best practices. And lastly, the fourth recommendation is about developing a policy roadmap. And again, the ACCA report highlights areas of improvement for every country. There are detailed country-level reports in the 11 Asia-Pacific markets that are covered by the ACCA report. And again, what I mentioned earlier, very often issues like data localization tend to grab headlines because they can be very political in nature. But there are Other, less controversial changes that can be made, such as the need for prior regulatory approval before migrating to the cloud. And regulators do do not need to go from one extreme to the other. So having a roadmap is really helpful. But then the industry needs to play its part as well. This is not just all about the regulators. The industry can develop a digital transformation roadmap. It need not go from on-premise IT infrastructure to be fully on the public cloud. Very often, you can start with migrating workloads that, that are less sensitive but have the greatest impact to the cloud. And also you can explore different cloud service providers to mitigate against vendor lock and risk, which is a key concern that both regulators and financial institutions have cited.
0: These recommendations definitely resonate with what we heard earlier in the year from IF members and regulators during our Realizing the Digital Promise project. So that's quite fascinating. Hopefully ecosystem participants can continue to open the lines of communication And work together to help unlock the full potential of cloud while maintaining financial stability. It'll be very interesting to see how the space evolves over the coming years. Chester, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your time and valuable insights with us today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Dennis. It was a real pleasure to be here today. Thanks.
0: So I'd like to quickly sum up three key points from our discussion. First, while there are certainly risks to cloud adoption that need to be both understood and mitigated. The benefits outweigh the risk, and migrating to the cloud is becoming increasingly important in today's digital economy. Second, cloud technology is a fast-moving space that requires constant monitoring and a forward-looking and long-term mindset. Regulators should study and learn from global best practices in other countries, and firms should keep up-to-date with technology developments and study success cases. Finally, greater collaboration is needed between regulators financial institutions, and cloud service providers. All stakeholders need to work together to promote the safe and successful migration to cloud, as it's vital to supporting new business models and unlocking the full potential of the digital economy. Chester, thank you once again for joining us. That wraps up our final episode of 2021. Looking back, it's been a great year here at FRT. We've had excellent guests covering a wide range of topics, from quantum computing to digital identity. And we marked a milestone with our 100th episode with Axel Weber, chairman of both the IIF and UBS. We look forward to returning in January with new and engaging episodes. Until then, from all of us here at FRT and the IIF, we'd like to wish everyone a wonderful holiday season and a happy and healthy new year. I'm Dennis Ferenczi, thanks for joining us on FRT.